0: Sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the new born King.
1: Father, we love you. It is with humble hearts we come to you this morning. We're grateful, we're thankful, we're so blessed, Father. And I pray that as we gathered together today that, Lord, we would worship you in spirit and truth. And thank you, God, for manifesting yourself to us, being present in our midst. Thank you for the power of the Spirit of God enabling us to do and fulfill the will of God in our life. And Father, I pray that whatever burden we have, whatever cares we're carrying today, that, Lord, we would lay them at your feet. God, you are more than a bearer burden, a burden bearer, Lord. You are the King of glory, and Father, you are our Savior and Lord. We trust you, we love you, and we need you, Father. And May everything that we sing and what is preached today lift you up, and may you draw men to the cross today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's
0: page 88. <coughs> Hark the herald angels sing all three verses. Hark the Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the old angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven above. Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, all spring of a virgin's womb, filled in flesh the Godhead. Of peace, and the sun of righteousness, light and Turn to page 103. Standing as we sing, this will be our off-tour hymn, and this also will be our last song. We have two specials this morning. So at the end of this song, we'll have our off-tour hymn standing as we sing. Page 103: Away in a Manger. Laid down his sweet head The stars in the sky Look down where he lay The little Lord Jesus Asleep on the hay The cattle are lowing The baby awakes But little Lord Jesus knows And stay by my cradle till morning is nigh. Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay. Close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care. And finish for heaven too.
2: and
0: Casey <laughs> Casey and Jesse y'all know we love y'all and I do too so they'll be after Skylar and Jonathan
3: a lot. <laughs> um, The name of it is The Labor of Love, which all of us who've had children know that feeling, but um, Joseph has a book that I was reading to him the other day called It Was Not a Silent Night, um, and that's what this song is about, was the night that Jesus was born. And I help, can't help but think in my mind that it wasn't silent at first. She wasn't silent, um, but I believe when he came into this ad- this earth, it was a moment of reverent silence. I think even the animals stopped um, their noises, but maybe the mic won't do that when we sing this, but I hope you enjoy it.
4: the stable was not clean, and the cobblestones were cold, and little Mary full of grace, with the tears upon her face, had no mother's hand.
1: Well, amen. I have worshiped and thoroughly enjoyed myself this morning. I praise the Lord. We have much to be grateful for and thankful for. And, and this morning, as we have uh, come to this part of the service, uh, let's take our Bibles this morning and let's find John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. And as you... Find that, and as you stand, uh, as we read God's Word, uh, Children's Church, y'all can be dismissed at this time, if you'll just come down, and uh, Jessie's over here in the side room here, and she'll take you to the back, so if y'all just come down front, Miss Jessie will meet you right down here. So John chapter 1, and let's stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. We'll begin in verse 1 and we'll read through verse 5. And Preaching on the subject this morning, that the Word becomes flesh. And this, is, uh, this too is uh, part of the Christmas uh, story. It just comes in a little bit different perspective. Beginning in verse 1 of the Gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You are the truth, that You are the life. And I pray this morning, God, that as we... Look to this, and as we are grateful for this time of year, that, Father, we realize that it's not just about a baby in a manger. And we're grateful for that. And the humbleness, the humility of those such small and meager beginnings. But, Lord, there is a bigger picture here. There is even a greater and a more divine purpose here. And I pray that we don't lose all of that in some of our traditions, God, but that we realize that you have something to say to each of us today that is profound in the, in the nature of who you are and your plan and your purpose and your will for our lives. Help us to see that this morning and help us, God, to grasp that, Lord, to surrender to that call uh, to the gospel, to, to salvation today, that we may know that truth, that we might be saved, that, Lord, we might become part of your family. God, help us to make this fresh and new in our life today. Give us fresh faith, Lord. And God, may you be glorified in what is preached today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. When we look to the four Gospels that speak of the the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, of course, they speak about the nature of Christ and certain aspects of His earthly ministry uh, in specific ways. Uh, and obviously some reference to Him as, as uh, you know, His kingship, as His rightful place uh, to be the inheritor of the throne of David. And uh, many speak of his, his miracles, that He was not just the Son of uh, God, but that He was the Son of Man. Uh, and it details, uh, and sometimes those stories overlap and are told from different perspectives through the gospel. And we find that in the gospels, we look at Matthew, and of course it lists the genealogy of Joseph. And it's very important uh, that Matthew lays out this idea that through the earthly father of Jesus, there is a, a genealogical trace Uh, To David as king, so that in fulfillment of those prophecies, he would be the rightful heir on Joseph's side to that earthly throne. We find in the book of Luke, for instance, Luke not only speaks of uh, most of what we recognize as the Christmas story, but that it also speaks of the genealogy of Jesus, this side on, uh, from this perspective, on the side of Mary. Again, fulfilling the prophecies that Jesus would have a kingship, an earthly right to the throne of David, just as Scripture would foretell that he would. Mark does not even mention the birth of Jesus. It begins with John preaching and the the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. And then there is the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John written way later than the uh, the, uh, previous Gospels. Uh, written as he was a much older man even though John was the youngest of the disciples and and if we think about what the other disciples were doing the reason John is not writing when he is 20 uh, he's taking care of the mother of Jesus as he was commissioned to do as the Lord hung on the cross remember he says to John behold your mother and he says to Mary behold your son that I want you to take care of Mary. And that's exactly what he did. And when he was through with that task, he picked up the pen uh, as now a scribe of being empowered by God to write the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. And so he writes about the birth of Jesus, but he writes about it in a unique and a much different perspective. He writes about not the incarnation as the babe or the baby in that. But he writes about the deity of Christ uh, and the incarnation of Jesus in referencing to Him as the Word and how the Word became flesh and that He was always in the beginning. In the eons of eternity before, Jesus existed. John reminds us and he reminds the audience who reads John that Jesus did not just show up and that He was just not beginning His life in that manger in Bethlehem. Yes, from an incarnation standpoint, as he was born in a way that we are born. That he, uh, his life growing up, born of a woman growing up under the law, just as we experience those things, so that in every way as he was tempted, he is a God that identifies, he is a Savior that identifies with you and I. We do not come to Jesus Christ with a problem, with a burden. And we do not come from a perspective that Jesus has not already uh, dealt with in His own personal earthly life. See, Jesus is not just the guru that's got it all figured out and you don't. And so we just look to Him and He's above us as He is. But He humbled Himself and became one of us. Born in very uh, dire circumstances. Born very poor, when they show up to the temple to follow and fulfill uh, the law uh, as it related to circumcision and, and the offering that they would bring would be uh, two doves, two turtle doves, because they were poor. God was not born in the house or in the uh, uh, kingdom in respect to a, uh, you know, a castle and, and, and royalty. He was born in very poor and, and meager circumstances brought into our world to identify with us, to be a Savior that we could call on to that would know us and identify with us. And John, as he is describing uh, uh, Jesus, he calls Him the Word. And there's great importance to us as we look at the Christmas uh, season and we see uh, the nativity and we understand how God came to us because we can never go to Him, but we need to also understand that Jesus shows up as the Word, even as that babe in the manger. John called Him the Word. John is bringing in doctrine into the description here as he ascribes to the Lord the Logos, being the Word, that in the beginning He was. He's not trying to pull some some philosophies of other religions together. No, he's coming from a Trinitarian point of view that he is identifying uh, with God, Jesus, the God-man deity here. That he is the God-man, that he is fully God and that he is fully man. And that Jesus is the Word, that before Bethlehem he was. He existed because he is the Word. And John makes no bones about it. He comes out right off the pages in the beginning and makes the declaration that Jesus Christ is the very Son of God. And that in our Christian theology today, there is no Christian theology if we separate Jesus from this. If Jesus is not God, then there is no Christian theology. If he is not the God-man, if he is not uh, fully God and yet fully man, Christianity as we know it crumbles. It is, th- it is a cornerstone to our foundation as a people, theologically as a people. Before Bethlehem he was. And when we think of Jesus as being the Word, uh, the Word also comes and it represents authority. Uh, laws govern our life. Um, you know, Wherever we work at, there is procedure. There is protocol. There are things in which we do. If you are a technical person, you may be familiar with a flow chart that if something's not working, you follow steps to figure out what's going on. Some of these things are taught. Some of these things are just... Uh, given there as a a tool to troubleshoot and to fix something. But we understand that we come from a world where there are rules, there are guidelines, there's a manual, there's protocol. And Jesus, His word in describing Him is that He represents authority. Uh, There is a right way because of Jesus. There is a wrong way because Jesus has told us that which is right. And good and true. Jesus comes uh, to us in the pages of John not only as authority, but as absolute authority. Now there's a difference, right? There are people throughout our life, stages and seasons of life, that are that are an authority over us. Okay? Uh, We we again we're living in a world and in a culture that has laws. Uh, There is a speed limit. If you drive over that speed limit, they'll give you a little bit. But there is a point in which uh, you will get pulled over, and you will, you know, be given a ticket, a citation, maybe even go to jail, depending on how fast you was, uh, we're going, and so forth. Uh, But we understand that there is authority. We are. I mean, we go to work. There is. uh, There is somebody that has been given authority over us. As children, God has given you parents that have authority over you. And, and throughout life, there is always a measure of authority. But there is one who is over all. And the Bible tells us that that is the Lord Jesus. And it is uh, told in Scripture to us, in describing His absolute authority, uh, He says that in the beginning was the Word. That He has always existed, that He will always exist, and that He is over all things. Now, just as John describes Jesus as being eternal, we understand that from an earthly standpoint, Jesus shows up to us as that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And Scripture tells us, Paul would write to Galatians in chapter 4, he would say that at just the right time, that in the fullness of time, God brought forth His Son, born of a woman, born to be under that law, So he might fulfill every jot, every tittle of that law completely, satisfying it so that he could then be the Savior of the world. God does not make mistakes. This morning as we were uh, in Sunday school and we were having this uh, uh, discussion and we were going back and forth with a lot of questions that arise out uh, out of these things It's important to understand that as the world is is turning and as the world is working and we see things being played out and sometimes our expectations are not met, the things that we think are going to happen, they do not happen. And sometimes we wonder in our day and age, we we wonder, you know, how is God in all of this? we understand that even though we don't see it the way... Uh, you know, things are not the way we would like for them to be, and we don't see it or understand it. But you need to understand God at no time, God at no time has ever been out of control, and He never will be. All things are working together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. See, I have the promise and the assurance of Scripture that, it, that if things do not work out in my time or according to my plans, you know, that's okay because God is the one who is ultimately in control. And God's not subject to me. I can't move God to do something that's outside of His will. And I'm to operate, that's why we discern and we want to know the will of God so that we can operate within that sphere of the will of God. So that, so that my desires line up with His desires. And my expectations start becoming His expectations. And they'll never be fully one-to-one. Because we are sinful. But we need to never live in despair. The world is living in despair. But God's people need not live in despair. And John reminds us that that God is in control, that in the beginning was God, before Bethlehem he existed, and that Jesus Christ is the word of authority. It is God who defines what marriage is. It is God who defines what is right and what is good. It is God who defines what is moral and what is immoral. It is God who gets to set uh, the, the, the purpose and the plan. He's not subject to us. We are, we are subject to Him whether we know it or not. God is in control. He is complete authority. And that's why God's Word is so important. Because God's Word is not suggestions. God's Word is not just advice, see? It is is the rule of God. It is the desire that God has for us, that we are to align our lives with it, that we are to see His Word as authority. And when the Bible speaks that things are a certain way, they are a certain way. We do not get to redefine Scripture so that it can accommodate our ungodliness as a society. And woe to those who do such. John explains to us that Jesus is eternal and that he is authoritative. He is the authority. There's something else that he shares with us here and that Jesus is the source. He shares with us Jesus as the source here. He says, the same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, is is is, right? Right? It wasn't anything that was made by Him and without Him. It was made by Him and for His glory. That He is the source of all things. We, we can look at that in the spiritual sense, but we can also see this in the natural uh, sense. That He is the source here. He is the source of life. He is the source of light. That's what the Scripture teaches us. Now, it's important that we understand Him being the source of all things. Our environment has been made by Him. And nothing is possible without God. See, we're all existing. And John 10.10 reminds us that the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and that you might have it abundantly. See, to know Jesus is not to just live through life. To know Jesus is not merely to exist. To know Jesus is to really live abundant life now and eternal life forever because He is the source of life. See, every culture on earth wants to figure out how it is that we got here. How things were made. We all do. Everybody wants that figured out. There's not a culture on the planet that doesn't have a a flood legend, that doesn't have a way in which they describe to their people how the world came into existence. Because everybody realizes that we are not just here by accident. That that doesn't happen like that. Nothing happens like that. Today, when we leave this place, we're going to go home. And we realize that we go into a home because somebody built the home. Right? The fact that there's a house means there was a carpenter, there was a contractor, there was a builder. Nothing happens by accident, chance, random things just happening and it creates order. That doesn't happen. And so we've sought through a lot of ways, natural ways, to explain how we got here. We do that today. The science community, again, doesn't want to take in a natural uh, thing, so they try to come up with a natural way of, of explaining how we got here whether it be through some evolutionary process. we, You know, all the planets came from the sun, we came from the water, whatever it was. We we try to, you know, we're trying to uh, tell everybody how we got here through a natural process, even though there is no process naturally that happens that would give us what we have. Uh, And not going to go into that, but we could very well spend a lot of time on knocking holes in these kinds of theories that we have. The reality is, John makes it clear that he's the source of life. You can live on planet earth a hundred years and never meet Jesus and you've never lived a day in your life. There is no life worth living outside the joy and the peace and the love and the forgiveness and the acceptance and the eternity that Christ has to offer. It is abundant life. He said it was. Matter of factly, we need to believe that. We need to understand that He is the source of that life. And we can choose to explain it away if you want to, but John just shows up on the pages of Scripture and says, Hey, in the beginning was the Word. Believe it. Accept it. And enjoy that abundant life that we have in Christ. He's the source of life, and it says that He's the source of life. Throughout history, throughout all kinds of cultures, people have worshipped something. John was one of the first preachers at the church of Ephesus. And of course the Ephesians were known for their worship of Diana the goddess. And they believed that this giant rock just fell out of the heavens and that Diana was this virgin goddess that is to be worshipped. John shows up as the early Christians do in that day and age in the city of Ephesus and they teach that there is no power in gods that are made of stone. There is no power uh, in the the gods who have eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear, and hands and feet that cannot do anything. John shows up and says, uh, she's not the light, he is the light. Worship him. Uh, Paul would show up and and as he would debate the, 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 the great minds of the Greeks, he would say to them, you know, you got a God for everything. And as I walked through your city today, I even saw the inscription to the unknown God. And it is to the God that you worship in ignorance that I declare to you today. Because there is one that is not only the source of life, but he's the source of light. And I want to tell you, Christian, you and I who have come to a place in our life, moved by the power of God, repented of our sins, and we've embraced Christ as our Lord and Savior, sincerely, humbly, And that exchange has taken place. My friend, He is the source of life and we've accepted that. But He is the source of light. We're not like the world dying and walking around in darkness. No, we have the light. We have the life. We are living and we worship a living Savior, not a dead one. The life of Jesus is the source of light for humanity. God says that even the darkness of sin and that death cannot hold back the light. See, he said that that the light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. It meant that the darkness tried to snuff it out. But it couldn't. And we look through the annals of history and you know what we've uh, tried to do? We've tried to admit, hey, uh, I believe that there is Jesus. I believe Jesus existed but that he's just a man. He's just a good teacher. He was just a good philosopher. And John says, oh, he's man, all right, but he's also God. And I'm grateful for the incarnation. I'm grateful that Jesus, as he was fully God, he clothed himself in the flesh of a man. John tells us that the Word was made flesh in John 1 verse 14. That in the beginning the Word was God, the Word became flesh. Walked among men. Dwelt among men. That this God wrapped in flesh, it was the glory of God. See, there'll be many today that they love the Jesus in the manger. They'll they'll decorate their home and they may have a nativity on their lawn and these kinds of things and and, and it may be beautiful to them and this may be a rich, festive time of year. But Jesus was not just a baby in a manger. He grew up. He grew up and He went to a cross for the glory of God and for the good of us, for our good and for the glory of God. He's not just an example to be followed. Anybody can be an example. You're an example. I hope you're a good one. But everybody's an example in some shape, matter, or form. Maybe it's not an example to follow, but we're making examples of ourselves. There are many who would say, Jesus is a great teacher. He taught good things. But there are others through history that taught good things. You you mean Jesus came to this world for the purpose of telling us good things? You mean he would would die? He would be humiliated? He would allow himself to die this death of a criminal in a most horrific way just for a good teaching? Just to be remembered uh, uh, in, in a book of the memoirs of Christ? Oh no. No, 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 no. Jesus is much, much more than that. Jesus is much more than a good teacher. The Bible says that He was full of grace. He was full of truth. We see the God-man here willing to die for us though we are sinners. We see the God-man here willing to pay the price for our sin on Calvary's cross though we do not deserve that. And he didn't deserve it, but that he was willing to do it. We embrace this time of year. We we think of that baby in the manger. But folks, he was born to die, a death he did not deserve. And, And he was a gift to us. And that gift grew and it manifested himself that he that knew no sin would become my sin offering. Your sin offering, He would take on Him, on His soul, bear in His body, bear in His spirit, not only my sin, but the sin of the world. All of it. For the glory of God to redeem back the creation. We go to 1 John Chapter 1, in the epistle that John wrote, he tells us something about this incarnation. John says, that which was from the beginning, again, going back to his gospel, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the glory in humankind. Christ was born, Christ came to the world he became the ultimate sacrifice for us but more importantly than that he's saying that Christ came to me John is saying I saw him I touched him, he changed my life and he says and not only can he do that for me but he can do that for you see I I love my, my church family I love the encouragement, the support the strength that we have as brothers and sisters in a, in a much greater and a bigger family. I spend more time with you than I spend with my extended family. Now, some of you, when you're here, you're spending time with your extended family because we've got some some deep roots in this church in that respect. But for me, I spend much more time with you than I do my extended family. And I find great encouragement from that. There's great glory. There's great understanding. There's great benefit to the earthly relationship here. But that's not just it. See, John tells us that you also may have fellowship with us. But he says it gets even better than that. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. See, what? (laughs) I think today sometimes the church has become just another optimist club. And by the way, we ought to be optimistic, but is there a pessimist club? Because if there was, I could nominate a few people to be in it. I could give you names and addresses. But you got the, the, the rotary, the Kawan, you know, you pull into town, and you got all those signs up there on the chain link fence. Welcome to so and so, and you got all of these, and they all do their thing or whatever. And is that just what the church is today? We're just another club, we're just another social entity for people to get together. I remember having a guy tell me one time, and, you know, sometimes these things are not necessarily. I think they're trying to compliment the church, but they're not really a compliment, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like when somebody stands up and says, you know, Steve, I really enjoyed the sermon today. You really preached the gospel today. Is it to say I never do that kind of thing? (laughs) Okay, that's a a compliment, I think. Okay, all right. But I, I had a guy tell me, he said, you know, I'm so glad we found the you know, we found the church, the fellowship, everything is great. We tried the fish camp. We tried to hunt camp. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay. Well, I'm glad that we are offering that aspect of it, but I hope there's a little more than just that. Because if that's all we're looking for, you can find it anywhere. And that's to John's point. John's point is you can find Fellowship. You can find all of these other things. And, and that's what we're losing today as a church in America. It's the idea of you show up, there's experience, but there's no connectivity. We need not go down that road. Our purpose is to fellowship with one another, yes, but there is a greater aspect here in that we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with the King of glory. We have fellowship with the One who knows all things and can do anything and that nothing is impossible with Him. See, the, see the message of Christmas, when we think about this beautiful story and, and the nativity scene and the star in the sky and all of these the Christmas tree and the, and the star on that top and all the things that that means and how we work that into this story, those things are all great. But there's something bigger here. The purpose of this Christmas story is this glorious and grand gift that God to us. The fact of the matter is that many of us, we see it, we say we like it, but we've never unpacked it. We've never truly received that. The lesson is in, in Christmas is not about all of those things, but is Christ living in you? Is Christ alive in you? We can talk about what it means. And we can decorate. And we can have the splendid um, affection that comes with this time of year. But have we unpacked Christ personally? Is He living in us? Is He living in you? Is He in the Your life, is He manifesting Himself? Is His presence real? Or is He just something that comes along one time of year? Because John's saying He didn't just show up. He's always been. And guess what? He always will be. Always will be. We need to unpack that. The world's tried to stomp it out the world's try to relegate it to just a place on sunday no he's much more than culture he's much more than season he's much more than just a day of the week in a building in a community is he living in you is christ alive in you the world's dying the world's stumbling around in darkness We're alive. We're the living among the dead and we have the light. We're not stumbling. Shouldn't be. We have His Word. We have His authority. We have that gift of a, of a God that knows all things, that is all powerful and is always present. Is that Christ living in you? Or are we just caught up in the season, in the moment? See, this... This season will come to an end. They're Christmas carols. They're Christmas songs. It's the Christmas season. It's here for just a moment, right? And then we move on to something else because that's how we are. We'll move on to the next thing, right? Is that all Jesus is? Is he just a moment? A season? a, A song? A set of songs? Or is he alive? in you is his light living in you it's a cliche but there is truth to this the greatest gift that has ever been given is the birth of his son and the greatest gift that you'll ever receive is the imputed righteousness of Jesus that comes through an authentic relationship with with him. How do you get it? You ask for it. You ask for it, and, and, and God has told us that if you call, if you ask, I'll give it to you. You want to be saved? You ask, and I'll save you. You want to repent? I offer the grace you need. I offer the truth you need to walk in that truth, in that grace, in that relationship. Do you want that? Then ask for it. That's the greatest gift you'll ever unwrap. It's not seasonal. It'll last throughout eternity. It's Christ living in you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you. Thank you for the joy that, Father, you endured all that you did so that we might enjoy all of you, that we might have eternal life and that we might know you, that heaven would not be something we simply talk about but it would be a destination for all of those who know you who by faith have received you the grace, the truth God this morning help us to unwrap that gift let it be fresh, new, powerful in our life and let us realize that it's not only good for today or this season but it's always, it's good for everything for every day throughout eternity Lord help us to receive that today I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Church, let's stand to our feet. As we we sing this morning, Jesus is calling. Would you come?